Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burnt up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He also said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will pay heed to what you say, and you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So now please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, and the woman will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters. Thus, you will plunder the Egyptians. You've watched the story, perhaps in a Holy Week, a movie in television about Moses. I remember that I did. So let's look at what the Bible says. Sometimes when they translate it into a movie, they make a little change to make it exciting. Some of you perhaps watched the Disney version, The Prince of Egypt. They made a lot of, they took the freedom to adjust a lot of things. So allow me to share what scripture says. So God heard the cry of his people who were being oppressed by the Egyptians. Although the Pharaoh who began the oppression died, Israel continued to suffer. As a response, God called Moses, who was in the wilderness taking care of sheep for 40 years. During the burning bush, Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years. But 40 years earlier, Moses killed an Egyptian for, for beating a fellow Israelite. Although Moses grew up like an Egyptian, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses did not have the confidence to face Pharaoh. Perhaps the 40 years of taking care of sheep makes you lose some confidence. Despite the amazing experience of the burning bush, don't you agree that it was an amazing experience? It was an amazing experience. Moses would protest. Nevertheless, God will fulfill his purpose. He intended to do as he promised to Abraham. He will bring his people back to the land of promise. God called Moses. He was 80 years old at this time. God heard the cry of the people who were suffering. He would respond. God would respond, but in his own way and in his own time. One thing we observe, not only here, but in other parts of Scripture... When God wants to respond to a prayer, most of the time, many times, especially in this scale, he would raise a man or a woman, equip the man, 
humble this person, and then at the right time, send this person. God is in the business of building his people. God is in the business of preparing his people so that he may call his people and his people would become his instruments. Many years of suffering, but wait, wait 80 more years, Israel. I, Moses was born already, okay? I'm going to answer your prayer. So one day, the answer will come. You see, God's timetable is not like our own. Our own timetable is now. I want it now. I have a problem now. I want a solution now. Everything instant. Well, we've been conditioned to appreciate the instant. Instant noodles. Instant mixture in your cooking. Just open it and drop it. Instant cubes to put the chicken taste. Instant. Everything instant. Even research now is almost instant, just with Google. Instant messaging. Somebody half around the world, you're talking to a friend, a cousin, and you can Skype, you can use Messenger. Instant. Somehow, today, we want everything instant. But God has his timetable, and that timetable may not be the same as ours. So what do we do? We trust God with his timetable. We still pray. We still pray. Can you send me the answer now, Lord? We request, and that's okay. Keep praying, but trust in God's timing. For some of you young people, you keep saying, Lord, give me a girlfriend now. No, it is not time. Do not force the issue. Like the Egyptian, when Moses killed the Egyptian, he forced the issue. He had to wait 40 more years. So, do not force the issue of a girlfriend. You might wait 40 more years. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not the direct application. <laughs> uh, when it's not time, don't force it. Look at Scripture. What did Scripture say? Moses, it's time. The funny thing was, 40 years earlier, Moses was arrogant but protective. He was protective of his own people that when he saw an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian. Confident, very confident, in fact arrogant to kill somebody. Now God is saying to him, it's time to deliver Israel. I have heard their prayers. I've heard their cry. Now go. Oh, me? <laughs> you got the wrong guy. Uh, no, you're Moses, right? I'm paraphrasing. Uh, you're Moses, right? That's your name, Moses? Yeah, I'm Moses. Oh, you're the one. You're the one who killed that Egyptian, right? Well, that's not in the Bible. It's just me and my imagination. Uh, but Moses thought, I, I'm, how can I face Pharaoh? Oh, he ran away because Pharaoh wanted to kill him, execute him when he found out of his crime. He ran away. He was running away from Pharaoh, but that Pharaoh died already, and there was a new Pharaoh. So God is saying, go. Go. I want you to deliver my people. Scholars estimate around 2 million Israelites. 2 million Israelites. Bigger, bigger than our city um, of Naga. 2 million Israelites. <laughs> okay. Uh, he protested, no, Lord, no. But God would not take no for an answer. Sometimes it's not easy to protest against God. 
It's a good thing God was able to convince Moses, unlike Jonah, who had to suffer the belly of the whale. You see that picture downstairs? That's Jonah, right? So whenever you pass by there, always remember the consequence of not following the will of God. Understood? So when you, when you pass by there, oh, you say, oh, the safest is God's will. I have to be in God's will because God's purpose for me is the best choice I can make. Rather than be swallowed by a big fish, a big fish, and stay in their stinking belly for a time. Yes, life sucks sometimes. Forgive me for saying that. Uh, life, and some of, sometimes it's God allowing you to go through a process. Trust God. Do not panic. Do not trust in your own intelligence. Do not trust in your, your own wisdom. Do not trust in your own understanding, but rather trust God and His Word, and He will give you wisdom. So, uh, point number one, God revealed Himself through the burning bush. That was not burnt. Of course, I think this is possible scientifically depending on the kind of tree you have, which it doesn't really break immediately. But uh, the surprising thing is there was, it was burning and there was a voice speaking to him. And uh, Moses knew God was calling him. And God said that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning I promised Abraham, therefore I will fulfill the promise he mentioned to Abraham in Genesis that for 400 years, his people, his descendants, would suffer in another country, but they were, will be brought back. This is that time. But Moses, even though he, was, he grew up like an Egyptian, well, he would not have the confidence. Then in that burning bush, God said to Moses, remove your sandals for you are on holy ground. It was a sign of respect. Remove your shoes. In the New Testament, I did not see that they practiced this because in the New Testament, they said, it says that the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. So what? We remove sin, anything that's dirty, filthy in the eyes of God from our hearts. But let me segue a bit. Do you remove your shoes when you enter somebody's house? Yeah, for, for, for some houses, uh, traditional orientals, when they uh, are still traditional orientals, they want you to remove your shoes. But some are not as traditional, not as traditional Koreans or Japanese, which we are now, they're now westernized as well. It's okay to wear your shoes. What's, what's, uh, what's the good sign to know to remove your shoes? If you see the floor very clean, right? Remove your shoes. But if you have aliponga, keep it on, okay? What's aliponga for the sake of Gustavo? It's, it's a fungi in your feet, okay? So, uh, athlete's foot, okay? Uh, rather keep it on and say, forgive me. I will grace your floor more with my shoes on. So you tell your host that. But if you see, very, it's very clean and they have uh, another slipper for, for the indoor, uh, remove it if you don't have athlete's foot. Uh, that's not in the Bible. It's just us culturally. I'm just addressing our culture here. So God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. 
and did not want to look because that, was, that is usually an immediate reaction to a presence of God. Even in the New Testament, in Revelations 1, when John saw the manifested glory of Christ, he fell down like a dead man. He could not, uh, the presence, it does something to you. Of course, the presence of God can manifest in certain degrees. That is just you, us studying the whole Bible, and he manifested in different ways. So Moses showed respect by removing his shoes. God revealed, number two, God revealed his plan to Moses to deliver his people. So Moses is a prophet because God shared his secret with him and his plan. Uh, I will deliver them. I have heard the cry of the people regarding the oppression. And he said, Moses, I want you to go. Bring my people back. Wow, what a charge. He was charged, you do this, Moses. Oh my, if you were Moses, would you accept? Uh, facing Pharaoh at that time was like facing the Roman Caesar in his time. Uh, it's like facing the most powerful nation today, which is, uh, if it's, it's U.S. or Russia or China, powerful nation, superpower. And God said, go, you're going to speak to him. <laughs> Me? Oh, Moses protested, who am I to stand before Pharaoh? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? So uh, Moses lost that prince of Egypt arrogance. Huh? That it, instead of killing, he could not even go. And he already see this fantastic manifestation of the power of God, the burning bush, the voice of God. And he said, who am I? I don't even speak very well. That might be true or may not be true. Why do I think that it may not be true? He was educated under the Egyptians. I am sure he had some public speaking training there somehow, some way. So it could be true or probably not true. I'm inclined to thinking it was probably not true. I think he just lost his confidence for 40 years of being a nobody. Once a prince of Egypt, now a nobody. From here down to here. And you know what? God allows that to happen in our lives. Yeah. Because there's always a process. God is a God of process. The human heart is something that God must process. God must teach. The Holy Spirit must teach the human heart. And the way we act, the way we speak. When all the arrogance was gone, God said, it's time. It's time. The time when you don't want it anymore, God says, it's time. I heard a, a, a preacher say that. He's, he was traveling the world. He's probably passed away by now because I was still a young man when I heard him preach. When he was preaching, uh, I, it was in Metro Manila. He was around 80 years old, this preacher. And he said, you know what? I was happy in my backyard. I have done ministry. He, he did some ministry in church, etc. And then at 80 years old, he felt the call of God to visit the different nations to preach. I said, I don't want to travel at 80. My back hurts on the plane. But sometimes when you don't want it, it's a time when God would say, okay, you are empty of yourself. 
You are empty now of greed. You are now empty of arrogance. Right now, you, nothing is more important to you. Nothing. You've lost all selfish ambition. And God said, it's time. It's time. One day, it will be time for you and me. One day it will be time when God will call us and mighty things will happen. But sometimes it's not yet the time. That's why one of the things I advise is to wait and pray. When somebody wants to do a big project, I say, wait and pray. Continue learning, continue studying, but wait and pray. If you want to do a ministry outreach, wait and pray. Do little steps, go ahead, but wait and pray. Because God will show you when it's time. When Moses said, who am I? And he said, I don't even know your name. What are they going to say? You're just saying you're the God of Abraham. But do you have a name? Um, so he was looking for a, a name. And God said, I am who I am. Or the I am. The I am. In the Hebrew, this is related to the YHWH, Yahweh or Yehwah, because there were no, really no vowels. It was a name that should never be pronounced. It is a holy name. That when somebody writes it with a pencil, they have to break the pencil after they used it and use another new pencil to write. So God assured Moses. What was the assurance? I am God Almighty. You said, who am I? I am God Almighty. Moses will keep protesting and God would say, who made your mouth? Who made man's mouth? Who? He did, right? So instead of complaining, Moses should have agreed. But you know, Moses is a stubborn old man after 40 years. So stubborn. Okay, stubborn old man. But my, my, he will be empowered. Do you know that he will climb Mount Sinai? Huh? At 80. Any 80-year-old here want to go hiking or mountain climbing? Moses would climb Mount Sinai at 80. I said, the old man is amazing. Then uh, God instructed Moses to speak to his people. Speak to my people and speak to Pharaoh. Tell Pharaoh, I love the phrase, let my people go. Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. Of course, Aaron said that, not Moses. Later on, we'll, we'll find out that Moses will keep complaining and God would give him somebody to help him, which was his brother Aaron. Let my people go. Sometimes I pray that way when I'm praying for people and I try to speak to the forces of darkness. Let God's people go. Sometimes I feel that speaking to parents. Let your children go and serve God. Amen. You're not Pharaoh, right? Sometimes you have to evaluate. Am I playing the part of Pharaoh in my family or not? Uh, God is good. So God gave this instruction. Tell Pharaoh. But then God said to him something. You see, 
Pharaoh will not listen to you. <laughs> you're telling me to go to Pharaoh, assuring me who you are, and then you're going to say to me that Pharaoh will not agree with me? Oh, such is the process of God. God allows such process to happen. But then God showed his plan. Pharaoh will only agree until I force him to agree. So God will force the most powerful man on earth that time, in that world, to agree with him. And God also revealed his plan to Moses that his people will be enriched. There will come a time you will ask. Let the women ask of, of, of articles of gold, silver, and clothing. <laughs> Woman's dream, amen. Ask, and they shall be enriched. Perhaps they're going to be paid after 400 years of service. Payment is due. Payment will come. God is good. If you're not paid, if you've done your work well, God will pay you in one way or another by God's grace. So uh, how does this relate to us now? How does this apply to us? One, let us understand that God reveals himself to us like he did to Moses. But to us at this time, God reveals himself to us through his word and through Christ. Through his word and through Christ. Therefore, let us show respect to God's word by carefully studying it and obeying it. And removing the filth and the dirt from our minds and hearts. The more we study God's word, the more we see God's will, the more we understand. In fact, in the book of Psalms, it says that the word of God is like water that cleanses us. By studying the word of God, there's a, a cleansing effect that happens in our minds and hearts. And why do we study scripture so that we may understand the God we serve? You cannot just know God by just praying, Lord, I want to know you more. Or even singing that song, Lord, I want to know you more. You can keep singing, but if you don't really open your Bible and say, Lord, reveal yourself to me. God's word is amazing. Of course, I know some of you are not yet there to see God's amazing word. It is amazing. No matter how long have you been, you've been studying it. I've been studying it for, what, 32 years. I'm still amazed. Every decade or so, I've been preaching on Romans. I always go back to that book. And the last time we had that Roman road, I was still amazed at the beauty of God's Word. I hope you see it and not only use God's Word for the cure of your insomnia. Yeah, some of you do that. Pastor, whenever I read the Bible, I fall asleep. So why don't you read it before you go to bed so you really fall asleep? But you can read a pocketbook, you can read the newspaper, you can read a lot of stuff online, but a few chapters a day, come on, you can do that, right? A little self-discipline, but you have to do it with heart, and that's a difference. If some of us are just reading it for the sake of information, that is not enough. We must read it by heart. From the heart. Why? This is God revealing himself to us. And for God, it's a personal thing. 
He wants to be known by His people. So we must study and obey God's Word. Number two, God unfolds His plan in our lives in a continuous manner. God may have heard the cries of Israel, but first Moses had to be born. Moses had to be educated. Then Moses had to lose that pride and arrogance. Still with that education, but without the pride and arrogance. But let us patiently do the work he gives us. Yes, as to Moses, it was the sheep. He was just doing the, the work of a shepherd. Let's do what God gives us, what's in front of us. Whatever ministry you're a part of, do your best. And the main ministry of this church, yes, it is preaching God's word. But number two, it is growth group. Not anything else. Everything else is secondary, tertiary. It is growth group. Growth group is a ministry. Going to the upper, it's a big growth group with smaller groups. That is your ministry. The men's group meets in small groups. That is the ministry. What ministry do we do there? We share of our lives and we listen to others. We pray for one another. As God desires His church to be close-knit, such is God's design. And to us who have been faithful to it, we have reaped the benefits. And we know it in our spirit, in our hearts. Number three, God will teach us humility if we are proud and arrogant. On the other hand, His Holy Spirit will give us courage if we lack confidence. Moses was proud. He was humbled for 40 years. But when it was time, God assured him, I am who I am. I am the I am. I am who I am. Please let God be God. Okay? Do not create your own concept of God. Oh, you know, Pastor Ed, I think God is like this. I think God is like, oh, sa tingin ko ang Diyos kayo Sa tingin mo. Who cares if the Bible says who He is? I cannot share to you a God of my own making in my mind. That is idolatry. I have to share to you the God I see in Scripture. Let God be who He is. Let Him be who He is in Christ. Don't change it. Don't change it. Pastor Ed, I think God will understand my adultery. <laughs> you, what you sow, you will reap. And there is consequence for all that. Oh, Pastor Ed, you know, I know what you're saying, but I've been a Christian for a long, long time, and I know it all. <laughs> the sign of pride. And God resists the proud. We humble ourselves that we may learn from God and we may learn from one another as all of us grow in Christ. Nobody knows everything. Friends, we even say, we pastors are careful with what we share to you because any one of us can correct any one of us. And any one of you can correct us if we are preaching out of line. That's why we share to you study context. This is how the way to study context. My wife has been teaching the women's group. I've been teaching a lot of the men about this. Because if you know how to study context, then we should correct one another. God will teach us humility. On the other hand, He will give us confidence. God said to Moses, I'm with you. 
I made your mouth, okay? I made you. Oh, I love that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's in Scripture that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Huh? Do you believe that? That God did not mistake in fashioning me in the womb. When He was weaving me in the womb, everything was just right. Just right. That's why I believe that I am God's creation. Are you God's creation? Trust that God will use you one day. God will give you the confidence. And number four, we must share God's word to others. Moses, go to my people and go to Pharaoh. As the word of God is in our hearts, whatever you're learning here. That's why we, I put my outline. We put our outlines right there in your, in, your, in your bulletin. So that one day, keep it all. One day you might use it to share to others. Sometimes you can gather at home in a Christmas. Can I just share a little story from the Bible? That's the beginning of sharing God's word. And in the end, you just say, we must have faith in Christ. We must have faith in the gospel of Christ. Those little opportunities can become big opportunities. We must share because that is his plan. When you share the gospel, it's like you speaking to the forces of darkness. Let this person go. We pray and we share God's word as we share God's word. Remember what we studied in Romans. The gospel does not have the power of God to salvation. It is the power of God to salvation. And we have seen people transformed, <clears throat> saved and transformed. Starting from where? By sharing God's word from our lips. You feel unqualified? Yes, we were never qualified. You think I'm qualified to stand here? Nobody is. It's all by the grace of God. So when you share God's word, whether you feel you're qualified or not, remember what you hear here every Sunday. Remember what you hear from the times we study uh, the Bible book by book in, in, in these retreats. And uh, share something. Don't keep it to yourself. Who am I? Who am I? You're no one. I'm no one. But God is. Uh, you get that? Who am I? No one. But who is God? He is the I am. I am. Who am I? Nada. Who are you? No one. But by God's grace, in Christ, when we studied Romans, right? We are also everything. We also have everything in Him. From no one to everything in Christ. Praise the Lord. The motto of our, our fellowship, and we, we inherited this from GCF Ortigas, which is to know him, to know Christ, and make him known. Brothers and sisters, that is our mandate, to know Christ and to make him known. Friends, you are here today for a purpose that Christ may bless you and transform your lives. But remember the Abrahamic covenant that he was blessed so that he can be a blessing. You are blessed by God's word today so that you can be a blessing to your family, to your office mates, to all that you know, and even those you don't know, you to be a blessing on this earth. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Father in heaven, 
You are a God of plan. You are a God of destiny. Yet we understand that you are also a God of process, as now we study, as we see in the life of Moses, even as we saw in the life of Joseph as we, when we studied Genesis, that you do bring your people to a process. And one for sure is the removing of arrogance within our hearts and, and learning humility. Teach us, Lord, to rely only on you, for that is the humility you seek. Not to rely on ourselves, not in our own strength, even though you have gifted us with knowledge and education and other in, and experiences. We thank you for that, yet we do not rely on that. Because it is you who made man's mouth. It is you who made us. It is you who made the earth. And the whole earth is going through a process. The people of the earth, we as individuals, are going through a process so that one day we will fulfill what you want us to do. Yet right now, what is in front of us? Teach us to be diligent, to serve well. As Moses was serving, taking care of the sheep, that was when the time you appeared to him. So teach us, Lord, to be responsible in our work, in our families, to be responsible uh, in our ministry, in our, in our studies, in our education. Teach us, Lord, to be faithful, because that is the time when you can show yourself to us. You will choose the moment, not us, but it is the moment where we are fulfilling what you give us to do. You gave us to do. Father, we honor you and we praise you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of his Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Palakpakan natin ng Panginoon.